friends, as we get ready for Epiphany um, standing in Christmas, we turn to our scripture this morning, which comes from the Gospel of John, the first 14 verses. And as we begin this new year, the Gospel of John in the beginning takes us to the very beginning, to the word that was at the beginning with God, that was God, that was towards God to the word that was made flesh in Jesus Christ, to the word that dwelt and that dwells in us. And I'm going to invite Chris to come and read our scripture. Chris. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of humans, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a parent's only son, full of grace and truth. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Holy God, in the quiet of this morning, in these first moments and days of this new year, quiet our hearts that we might listen for your word of life so that we might manifest your word for a world in need. Amen. Well, here we are. We have made it to 2021, a new beginning of a new year and the close of an old year that so many of us have been ready to leave behind. I've said it, I've heard you say it for months, we've been saying it, I can't wait for 2020 to end. It was a long year full of anxiety and suffering and woe. We have made it to a new year, to a new beginning with hope for a fresh start. If we were Benedictines, we might affirm always we begin again as they do as a regular part of their daily cycle of prayer, morning prayer, noontime prayer, evening prayer. And with the dawn of a new day, always we begin again. If we grew up 
with the Anne of Green Gables books, we might claim with Anne, who was always ready to leave trouble and mishap behind, this is a brand new day with no mistakes in it. Or we could embrace life as they do in the tenuous world of the musical rent with the declaration, no day but today. A new day, ready for the living, a new beginning. Now to be sure, there is no magic in New Year's Day. When the calendar resets, our troubles do not disappear. We are still making our way through pandemic, through a surge worse than we have yet encountered. We have not dismantled the structures of racism. We continue to face climate emergency and, and we are more committed than ever to the steady continuing discipline of living for justice and working for our collective health and well-being to doing the work that is ours to do. There is no magic in the start of the new year, but it is also no small thing. There are reasons we have calendars, good reason that we mark new beginnings. In a disorienting world, it's one of the ways that we measure and make meaning of our days. We celebrate the beginning of our next collective trip around the sun. We rise each morning and give thanks for our next spin together around Earth's axis. We remind ourselves as we pattern our days in the rhythm of our days and the seasons of our life that every moment, every moment is a new beginning. Always we begin again this day, a brand new day, no day but today. In our scripture this morning, the Gospel of John begins at the beginning. As John's community made meaning together of what they had experienced in Jesus Christ, what they had experienced together, they began at the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In words that echo the very first words of Genesis, in the beginning, they began their story of Jesus. What we have experienced in Jesus, they wrote, it is the word that was in the beginning and we have seen it too. Now, when they wrote of the word, that word in the Greek, logos, is chock full of meaning. As scholars point out with the word logos, they were talking about God's creative word, the word with which God spoke everything into being. They were talking about God's word communicating with us, and they were talking about God's word of revelation, the word that makes God's saving love known in the world, all of that. And they made some bold and important claims. This word that was in the beginning, it was with God or towards God, a word connecting us with God. And not just that, in verse 14, that word, the word of beginning, the God word, that word became flesh. We experienced it in Jesus. And not just that, the enfleshed word has made its home in us. That's what it says in the Greek, the word became flesh and dwelt in us full of grace and truth, the word enfleshed in humanity. As Alan Dwight Callahan writes, this is an account of the divine word coming to dwell with, in, and through human beings. Or as I like to say, what we see here is the heartbeat of God pulsing in the fullness of humanity. And remember, this is just 
the beginning, just the beginning of the Gospel of John, the first 14 verses from this beginning, the Gospel will flow forth and tell how John's community experienced this word in the life of Jesus. And 21 chapters later, the Gospel will end by not ending, but in its telling of the resurrection, writing of the words, the volumes that are still being written in us. The word that was in the beginning is a word of beginning again a word made manifest in Jesus Christ, a word made manifest in us. So it makes sense. It makes sense that we read this scripture around Christmas and Epiphany. It's a word of incarnation, the word made flesh, and it's a word of Epiphany. Epiphany means something made manifest or evident or obvious in the midst of us. Or as poet John O'Donohue says of Epiphany, the moment when time suddenly opens and something is revealed with luminous clarity. This season of Epiphany follows the season of Christmas as we think of how this word that we have experienced in Jesus, how we find it made manifest in the world. Where do we see it and feel it and embody it? The word made manifest in our world, in us, from the beginning and right here, right now, in this new beginning. So I thought that this epiphany, we'd think about our words, the words we've come to say over time in worship, particularly over this past year, and think a bit about how and where we see those words made manifest. How do we or how might we live them out? Today we're talking about the words I say right near the start of worship. This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Next week, we'll talk about words we say in worship that I received from Joanne Witt, words that you've asked me to keep saying because they are important to you, to us. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, there is a place for you here. And then we'll talk about those two words we've come to say this past year, grace abounds, and then the words that have become a part of this community's identity in Jesus Christ, together we serve. All of these words are words that have come to be a part of this community's liturgy, the particular words that this particular community has come to say in worship over time. We have spoken them and they have rung true and so we have said them again and again. Those words, how do we live them out? This sentence from scripture from Psalm 188, this is the day that God has made. It's, it's one that I brought with me from the seminary. I'm almost embarrassed to say it, but I started saying those words as a part of worship almost by accident. At the seminary, we worshiped every day at noon. Well, every day except Wednesday. As chaplain, I would offer some formal words of greeting, make some announcements, and then I needed some words to move us into worship. And so I remembered words from a praise song I'd sung in college. They were upbeat, a great way to move into worship with energy. So I would pop up, welcome folks to worship and affirm, this is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. A great way to affirm a good day. But at seminary, we worshiped every day. So I found myself saying those words in worship, not only on good days, but also on not so good days. 
on days when we had heard of yet another school shooting, on days when we'd suffered loss in our seminary community, on days when another black person had been killed by a policeman. And I'd rise to start worship and I'd think, can I even say these words today? This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What began to sink in with me is that the power of those words actually lies in saying them not any one time, but again and again, every day, good days and bad days and every day in between, no matter what the circumstance, this is the day that God has made. It is a gift. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I will live this day. They're not words of mindless and glib celebration. They're not words that ignore or deny the reality of the word world. They're not words meant to coerce you into feeling something you don't feel. On good days and bad days, they are words that stake a claim. This is the day that God has made. They are words that establish a stance we stand in our world at the beginning of a new day, not only in its joys, but also in the mud and the muck of the world. And we affirm that this day, every day, this day is the day that God has made for us, for our living of it. It is a gift. It is a brand new day. There is no day, but today, this is the day that God has made. These are words of trust in the God who gives us this day and who saves us from everything that works to do us harm. They are words of determination and resolve. They are words for planting one's feet firmly in the fresh soil of a new day. That's how they come to us in Psalm 118 a psalm that our ancient kindred would have sung in their worship again and again. They weren't living in an easy, carefree world. They had been taken into exile, taken from their homes and everything they knew, and they stood there at first miles and miles away from home. And then on the long journey home, and then when they arrived home only to find it lying in rubble, and then, as brick by brick, they rebuilt and repaired their world. They gathered in worship, and they stood there, and they named all that, and they said with resolve again and again, this is the day that God has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it, and they lived lives that manifested that word. Here we stand on this third morning of a new year with 2020 at our backs, praise God, at a new beginning and with so much work yet to do, how will we manifest this word in our lives, in this new year, in this new day? I wanna suggest these words to you. This is the day that God has made. I wanna suggest these words to you as a practice a simple spiritual practice for these new days of this new year. Now, I'm not talking about resolutions. This isn't a big goal that you may hit or you may miss. This is a practice, a small thing, a regular thing 
a day-by-day, moment-by-moment thing, something to do every day to ground our days, to plant our feet in fresh soil for the living of a brand new day, this day and, and the next. And it's so simple. It's just this. Every day when you wake up, say out loud these words, this is the day that God has made. If you want, you can add, I will rejoice and be glad in it. Or maybe you could add, there's no day but today. But right in that very first moment, in the dawn of your new day, before you have spoken any other word, this is the day. This is the day that God has made. Ground your day. And then as you move through the day, notice. Notice. Where do you experience the presence or nearness of God in the world you inhabit, in those around you, in you, in the good, in the not so good, in the everyday? Pay attention. Notice. And then at the end of the day, after you've lived that day, as you're lying down for a good night's sleep, hopefully, you can say, thank you, God for giving me this day to live with you. And then in the morning, in the sunrise of the next morning, we say it again, this is the day that God has made always, always we begin again. That's it. What I'm suggesting here is a practice. It's a way, a simple way of what we might call practicing the presence of God. That notion comes from Brother Lawrence, a 17th century monk who urged folks to practice finding God in the ordinary bits of the average day, every moment of every day, practicing the presence of God in big things and small, noticing, naming, giving thanks for the presence of God in the whole of life, in every bit of the world around us, in us. The community from which the Gospel of John emerged noticed, experienced the presence of God in Jesus Christ. The word of God from the beginning, God's saving, loving, life-giving word made manifest in Jesus. And in the gospel that flowed from that experience, they came to say, the word became flesh and dwelt in us. We have seen it. We have experienced it. We have lived it full of grace and truth. Here we stand in our world with 2020 at our backs. By the grace of God, we have made it this far and we celebrate this new morning and we have work to do in the name of Jesus to bless the world God loves. Always we begin again This is a brand new day. There is no day but today. This is the day that God has made. Let's live it for all that it is worth. 